0: Coming up on Chasing the Natty, it's playoff time, baby. You guys have worked so hard to get to this point in the season. It only makes sense for you to work harder than ever leading up to the matchups that are each more important than the last. We'll get you up to speed on some impactful matchups this upcoming weekend and finish up with your start and sit scenarios for the week. All that and more coming right after this. Rising run by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison. Junior touchdown. Marvelous mark.
1: Bow next to the actual drop down for Franklin. on majestic touchdown.
0: This is Chasing the Natty. A college fantasy football podcast. all right welcome in everyone this is jared Palmgren, host of the chasing the natty podcast i hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this wednesday morning we are the college fantasy football podcast on the campus the canton podcast network you can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on youtube every monday and wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m sharp if you want to support the great work we're doing here, head on over to com and subscribe there with one of our extraordinary tiers. You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Devi, and C2C embedding needs as well, including rankings, articles, projections, tools, and even more than that. You can also find me in the show on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty and the Dynamite Fellow sitting right to my, my right, y'all's left is mr justin leo aka volume pigs at volume pigs on twitter justin how you doing today sir how you, how are your leagues treating you with all your playoffs and everything
1: so for the first time in my cff career uh in one of my leagues i will not be making playoffs No. Four team playoff 12 team league yeah didn't make didn't make the cut uh it's actually uh gridiron scholars joe's versus pros league so Uh, bummed about that but still in the running in two of the other three leagues uh apologies to my guy Sal Cusimano I believe his last name is he's active on Twitter some of you will know him knocked him out of Nate's league last week and I'm playing him in my home league which I call the golden pig invitational this week so I hate to do it to him I think I'm going to knock him out uh twice and back to back uh so Sal shout out to you apologies uh beforehand uh yeah, I'm excited for this week as as always. You know, we're 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 winding down, so it's bittersweet, but you know, we still got a few weeks left of college football. Uh it's getting epic now, just playoff race, and everything. It's all great. So yeah, feeling good.
0: First of all, I have to say Golden Pig Invitational is a 10 out of 10 elite league name, sir. So well done trademarking that one right there. And then two. I I have my own apologies to make because in two leagues that I play in, I knocked Mike Bainbridge out in the FSGA league this past week, and I knocked him out of the Blue Bloods league, which is a dynasty format put on by Justin Heisey, and it's a pretty high-stakes league there as well. So, Mike, if you're listening, sorry I had to do it to you, buddy. And then, as well, like I play in 10 leagues, like season-long leagues, And I am proud to say that I made the playoffs in every single one of them. I've never done that before. It is very nice. Some of them are really close. Kings Classic, literally the only reason I got in was because of uh, John Lobb's rule about allowing the highest scoring team in the bottom nine members of the league to get in. I was four and seven in that league, Justin. And I was the third highest scoring team in the league. Yeah, some bad bad matchup
1: luck, I guess. Eh? Just
0: super bad matchup luck. Like, even the even the final weekend, I I, I scored two hundred twenty five points and still lost. And that is not a league. And that's a league where we only start t- ten players. That gives oh. you an idea of like what kind of scores we typically get. So it's pretty wacky. Yeah, it was uh, a little wacky.
1: I, I was trying to get in that league, the Kings League Classic this year. I was hoping somebody would drop out. Nobody did. Um, fingers crossed next year. I really want to get in. I want to get in that FGSA Classic too. I don't know who I need to talk to, how I can get in, but somebody sign me up. I want in. I'll, t- I'll,
0: I'll tell you after the show for the Kings Classic. Talk to John Lobb, man. Like if if you if you show up to Canton, that that pretty much puts you ahead of a bunch of people. So okay, okay that's Canton, good. To know. How far is Canton from where you, from Toronto?
1: That far, actually, it's it's a pretty quick, probably flight if I were to go down there. So, nice. well, yeah, so shouldn't be too bad. We'll see. It's usually hosted right in like July or something. You guys, uh,
0: August. That? It's like the second week of, second weekend of August. Uh, mentally noted. I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you there next year, man. All right, well, we got a show to get here. Enough of us talking about our own leagues and patting ourselves on the back because you know. People want us to pat them on the back with tons of knowledge here. And we, of course, will do that by talking about some of these higher scoring games this week. Again, this week in college football is never a down week. We never say that, but not a ton of ranked-to-ranked matchups or anything to do like that. But there are a ton of high scoring games with short spreads between them. So we're going to touch on a ton of those here, a.k.a. God bless the Mac and the Pack. Or not not the Mac, excuse me, the AC, the American Athletic and the Pack. That was oh. that, that that I I had that prepared in my head and it fell apart so quickly there. Anyway, let's just get out of this before I make a bigger fool of myself and let's talk yeah. about the first game here, man. What was yeah, that? that was pretty high scoring too. So I mean it can
1: apply to the MAG also, but, uh, That's but yeah. True. I don't think we're talking any magtion games in this one.
0: Nope, but we'll start with a paction game here. Let's go talk about Colorado at Washington State. Washington State the four and a half point favor here, over under of sixty three and a half again. Team totals both expected to reach the 30s in this game pretty easily right here. Has a lot to do with the atrocious defenses that both of these teams put on. And the fact that when their offenses get going, they are absolutely forces to be reckoned with. But given what we've seen the last couple of weeks here, Justin, there are are some questions kind of up in the air here a little bit. Like, Washington State has had some really bad dud weeks on offense against some terrible defensive opponents. Again, who can forget them only scoring one touchdown against the worst passing defense in the country in Stanford just a couple weeks ago? Colorado, we loved this offense pretty much the entire year, but now they demoted Sean Lewis. And quite frankly, what we saw last week did not help perceptions on Colorado moving forward their offense. But Vegas seems to think that both of these teams will be able to find their offenses here. Do you agree with Vegas here, Justin? Or are you weary of playing players on either side here?
1: Yeah, I don't really disagree with Vegas. I mean, uh, on the Washington State side, you know, that Stanford game obviously wasn't, wasn't good. That was kind of a dud. Uh, they were good last week, though. Cameron Ward was, at least. Uh, and I think both of his wide receivers, Lincoln Victor, had a pretty good game. Uh, Josh Kelly had a pretty good game. I think even Kyle Williams might have been okay. I mean, they were pretty good last week. And to be honest, I mean, I, I went back and looked at their stats the other day, and it's, you know, outside of that game against Stanford, they, you know, they've, they've been not that bad, really. I, I think maybe I was a little hard on them last week, so I actually don't really have any problem on their side, uh, especially because, I mean, Colorado's defense, straight trash, we know this. Uh, Colorado's side, yeah, it's a little weirder, because, like, there's weird stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, is Dion interviewing for the Texas a job? Yeah, you know, who knows? I doubt it, but, I doubt uh, it. you know, with all kinds of just weird stuff going on behind the scenes with, like, who's doing the play calling, uh, you know, has Sean Lewis checked out now because he got demoted, like, is he just looking around for a, you know, head coaching job somewhere or something, so I don't know, if I had them, though, and, you know, I, it would sort of be dependent on what other players I had, I wouldn't yeah. be that upset if I had to throw in Shadir Sanders or one of their wide receivers, you know, uh, they're, they're, you could do worse, so.
0: I agree you absolutely could do worse if you got if you're if you're looking at any of your starters right now and you have like big question marks there and you see one of these guys sitting on your bench there you're probably pretty okay with kind of swapping them in and just playing the matchup there playing the shootout potentially see what you can get out of it again I don't know about you Justin but like I get pretty conservative around playoff time like I'm not taking nearly as many shots there because again The stakes are much higher now, so I'm not willing to take those shots and everything like that. But if you have to, I I would like if I really was just down, like say you're playing like maybe you typically start like a Marcus Carroll and your flex or something like that. And you're just like, I don't really like that this weekend going up against LSU. Maybe you switch it in for a Jimmy Horn or like a Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly is probably a better example. That's probably a guy you have sitting on your bench that you could probably swap in and feel much better about. Another matchup here. This one going to the AC, the American Athletic Conference here. Super high over under here, 66 and a half. SMU versus Memphis. Like I said, over under 66 and a half. Memphis or excuse me, SMU favored by eight and a half points here. But again, clearly as Vegas tells you there, both these teams are expected to find the end zone multiple, multiple times. Clearly, Blake Watson, if you're if you have him on your team. There's no reason to expect that you would bench him here. But Justin, everything else kind of has a little bit of air of questioning to it. Breston Stone and Seth Hennigan have both been dealing with injuries over the last couple of weeks. Are you comfortable starting them here? The wide receivers for both of these teams have been a little bit of a mess. There's not been one clear guy really in either one of those rooms. So looking at the quarterback situation and the receiver situation for both of these teams... Who are you comfortable starting in this game?
1: Yeah, well, definitely Watson. That, that's sort of a no-brainer. Of uh, I think wide receiver room. Nobody from SMU from, from Memphis. If I had Rock Taylor rostered, uh, I wouldn't be that upset about starting him. He's a little up and down, yes, but you know he has big games. Uh, you know, and if you are desperate and, and you know you're down to sort of your last few options, Rock Taylor. He's a good option. I mean, he's a good player. He, he pops off every other week, it seems. Uh, in terms of, like, just in general, when players are dealing with injuries, so now speaking to the quarterbacks, I usually just kind of throw them out of the discussion, unless there's, a, like, a real definitive update beforehand. Mm-hmm. I really just don't like dealing with that uncertainty. We all know college football, there's no injury reports, especially in smaller schools. Not that these two are particularly small, but, you know, if we were talking Mac schools or something, it's just it's a headache that I don't want to deal with. And so if I had other options and, and usually a quarterback there is, I'd probably wouldn't start either of these players. Uh, I think you got to start RJ Maryland. Yep. And I mean, like if you have RJ Maryland, you probably didn't need me to tell you that you've, you've been starting him probably up until this point. So uh, Jalen Knighton, sneaky, sneaky play. Yep. Had a pretty really good game last week, 17 touches over hundred yards, I believe he scored at least once. Um, and Memphis has been a really good team for other teams this year in CFF. So Memphis yes. has been bad on defense. They've been in a, in a lot of shootouts. Uh, SMU is a little different though. SMU is pretty good on defense. Uh, even though you know, I know the over under on this game is set high, and I'm not saying you know I'd be afraid to start Watson uh, again. He's no brainer. You start him, but SMU is a little bit better on defense. So you know, I, I would consider somebody like Jalen who He's a little more fringe. His matchup is pretty good.
0: No, I agree. Again, Knighton starting to become the clear RB1 for SMU here. Definitely somebody to keep an eye on moving into next year for sure. Again, you you called it already. RJ Maryland, clearly a start here. I'm um, trying to think. I had, I had one other thought here. Oh, yeah, with Blake Watson, it's kind of a similar situation as to what we had with Caleb Williams last week where like we knew the matchup wasn't particularly great, but at the same time, you still expect him to find points. So you just like... With Blake Watson scoring in potentially in the 30s the last couple of weeks here and everything, this is definitely one of those matchups where you start him. But you probably bring your expectations down back to maybe a 20-point game, which is still a really good game. Don't get me wrong, obviously. Like, you're still happy with that finish. But at the same time, like you know, you're, he's not going to be the game-breaker probably this week that he has been the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no doubt. Next one up here. From one offense or from one matchup with some mess at wide receivers to another matchup with even more mess at wide receivers here. North Texas at Tulsa, two, three, and seven squads here. North Texas, a two and a half point favorite over the Golden Hurricanes, over under of 66.5. Justin, I mean, Jay Macklin, obviously. But outside of that, receivers, running backs, who who do you trust in this game right here? Oh, gosh. I mean, on the Tulsa side, it's
1: damn near impossible. I, I don't know. I mean, Do we even know who's starting each week at each position? I mean, I, I can't really say. They've had so many different quarterbacks. They've had so many different running backs come through there. I mean, I know Anthony Watkins kind of been the guy for a little while. Uh, at wide receiver, there's different guys all the time. They had a kid last week, um, Cameron Benjamin, I think his name was. Camden Benjamin, yes. Yeah, so he had a good game, but there was a random sort of event that he hadn't really shown much signs up until then. Uh, So they have just got random, random guys coming through, and this is playoff week. And you mentioned it earlier. I mean, this is not the time to be swinging on upside. I don't know what kind of leagues. You know, if somebody's in a really deep league and you had another spot to plug in, why not? You know, maybe try defenseman. But if you're starting in, you know, in the regular league, I mean, I I don't, I wouldn't touch any of these players on North Texas' side you know, Macklin continues to defy logic. He's, you know, his touchdown to target ratio is elite. Uh, No reason to think it you know won't continue. You know, we're 11, 12 weeks into the season now, and and that's just what he is. So, you know, if you have him, you start him. Chandler Rogers. I like Chandler Rogers a lot. Uh, He's been playing. He's been balling out all season. I think this is a good matchup for him. So if you have him, uh, I would start him for sure this week.
0: Yeah, I don't really think I have much to add there. It is really just one of those deals where if you like, you... like you said, if you're in a super deep league, this is kind of a fine spot to try to get some help there. But at the same time, like, it's it's not the time to be experimental. So I, I'm, I'm with you on pretty much every player that you mentioned there. I don't really have much to add. Let's go to the Mountain West, and let's talk about Boise State versus Utah State. This is... Gonna be in my opinion one of the more interesting games to watch this weekend. Boise's a three and a half point favorite here, over under sixty-four and a half. Andy Avalos is gone at Boise State. That was I not that I didn't see it coming. I did it did surprise me a little bit that they fired him after week eleven. So there's still two weeks left in the season there. Maybe they're well, I actually it's gonna go to my point here just now. Maybe they're trying to salvage something here. Maybe they're trying to get ahead on the coaching market here and everything. Eric McAllister, that's a wide receiver. If you if you had him on your team, you know how good he's been. He is in the transfer portal, but there's a lot of talk that he might potentially come back to Boise State now that Andy Avalos is gone. Ashton Gintu, who I talked about as potentially having one foot in the portal already, there's talk that he is now back with the team. Like there's a lot of talk that he was going to shut it down, but he's now back at practice. There's some talk that he might be playing this weekend, this upcoming weekend. We will definitely see. Definitely a lot of things to kind of keep an eye on there and a lot of questions will be answered for Boise State this weekend with them. And then obviously Utah State. It's a start your studs kind of matchup. Boise State secondary has been atrocious this year. Jalen Royals is gonna be the number one guy there. Deep shot guy. Terrell Vaughn in your PPR leagues is gonna be elite for you with the amount of volume that he gets on a week by week basis starting in the slot over there. It's Really, again, it's a start your studs kind of game. The real, the biggest question to me is the Boise State running back room. I don't really know how to feel here because, again, the practice reports on GNT sound good, but also the reports are kind of leaning towards probably not going to play this weekend. So if he doesn't play, then like fire up your George Halani shares. That's going to be absolutely gorgeous. But if he does play, that backfield becomes super muddy really quickly. Is Halani still the number one back? Because, you know, and GNT is coming back from injury, they don't want to get him injured again, or does GNT come back immediately, become the bell cow back once again because he's just that much more talented than Holani, or is it the dreaded complete split between the two, and neither one of them gets the upside that you really want to see going into a playoff week? Who knows? Justin, your thoughts, man. What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, real quick, I mean, we mentioned this guy's name earlier. I would love for someone like Sean Lewis, perhaps, to take a look at that Boise State opening. Ooh, think... That'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, a lot of good pieces on the team already. Uh yeah, and I'm with you. Well, uh, one of the one of the options you mentioned there, I think, is what's gonna happen if Genty returns this week and plays. Now that Halani's also healthy, I don't really see them just like going all the way back to Genty with a lion's share of all the volume. I would assume there's a split at least a more even split than if you're a genti shareholder you would want right yeah. uh, well maybe that's me wishing it into reality i'm playing against genti this week so I'm, I'm hoping that he just doesn't play and if he doesn't play obviously as jared mentioned Hawani's, you know makes money he had a big game last week uh, and you would definitely want to play him again this week against utah state that's a no-brainer assuming genti's out uh if, if genti isn't out I would actually take a hard look at that. I probably would try to find somebody else. I, I wouldn't want that risk. Jared mentioned it. This is not the time to be taking risks, uh, experimenting with sort of the upside. Uh, you'd rather take a player you know is locked in a little bit more. Utah State on with you. Yeah, I mean, those those wide receivers they have, fire them up. You know, it's been the working recipe all season. Uh, if it fails you now, it fails you now. But, you know, it's they've been
0: money all season. So, you know, you ride with, with what's worked, what's worked so far. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go talk about our last matchup here. The only range ranked matchup we'll be discussing here today. 7.30 game on ABC, Washington at Oregon State. Oregon State actually the two-and-a-half point favorite here, over-under of 63-and-a-half. Justin, I'll throw it over you first, man. What are you looking for in this game? And... Oregon State's defense has been pretty solid at times this year, but clearly Vegas thinks that this is going to be a shootout regardless. Are you in agreement with Vegas there?
1: Yeah, I mean, Oregon State obviously has good defense, but Washington's the type of team where they're probably just so much, I don't want to say so much better, but the offense is good enough that I think they're going to score regardless. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a little bit more questionable about, you know, is Oregon State going to score a lot on Washington? I know Damian Martinez you know, fun fact, scored more touchdowns last week than he had throughout the entire season. So uh, if you follow my you know weekly reports on running back rankings, you know that I had Martinez sort of in the doghouse this week. And my reasoning was we never know if he's going to score touchdowns. Apparently he took that personally, scored four touchdowns in one game. Uh, just my luck, right? Uh, but I, I remain sort of skeptical on him. If you have Damian Martinez, again, is this the week where you want to bet on that happening? Uh personally I would say no. Uh, hope you know, I would, I would hope that you have a different, better option. Uh same thing with sort of DJU. I mean, I don't know how many people are out there have him rostered or starting him, but I mean he's another one where it's hard to trust him each week. Uh, you know, he does vulture touchdowns, but he's he's pretty hit or miss. So yeah, on the Oregon State side, I don't know if there's much. Uh I know they have that little slot receiver, uh, Bolden. Uh he's not a bad play, you know, because they might be playing from behind. Um, and then on the Washington side, I think it's just, it's chalk, you know,
0: quarterback, running back wide receiver. I don't have to say the names. Everybody knows who they are by now. Yeah. Again, I, I maybe would be a little bit hesitant on Dylan Johnson this week. Cause that's where Oregon state's, um, defense has typically been found so far this year. And also like, unless they're playing USC, Dylan Johnson's kind of like the, if the passing attack's not working, then they go to Dylan Johnson. And I think that Washington should be able to find some success through the air there. Here. Um my own little conspiracy conspiracy theory regarding David Martinez last week and his big game and everything, I guarantee you he threatened the portal because of how because of how little opportunity they were giving him around the goal line. Like he he was doing all the work for the team between the twenties, and then when they get down to the red zone, they get super cute with trying to get it to as many different players as possible. It's a strategy, but like at some point you gotta keep your star player happy. And get them the get get them the opportunities that they deserve. And so I think last week was kind of a makeup game for a lot of that. And again, I think that they're going to continue that a little bit. I probably would be comfortable guessing that Martinez scores a touchdown this week. And at some point, I would need to see if Price Picks or Underdog or whoever has a prop on that. I'd probably be pretty happy to take that shot right there. And then in terms of everybody else, like, like you said, we know the names. We, one of the wide receivers for Washington is top five. The other one's top 10. The real question is, what's going on with McMillan? Because <laughs> he has, quote unquote, played three weeks in a row without really doing a darn thing. And it's like him playing says he should be back soon. But at the same time, like they keep throwing him out there and he's just doing like very limited snaps. I think he did six snaps last week. So it's like... You might as well just not play him at that point. It's a super weird situation going on, but it also tells me that it's almost like a bomb waiting to go off at some point during these last two weeks where suddenly he's back, he's starting, and he is doing what he was doing to start the season there. So, I would be... What was that? Three straight
1: weeks of, like, zero points, though. Three three
0: straight weeks of zero points.
1: So... It's a very it would be a very college football esque thing though for him to just return this weekend. Well, I know he's been playing and just randomly have twenty-five, thirty points.
0: But it's like clearly they're trying to play him every single week, and then there's just some kind of nagging injury that they want if it flares up whatsoever, they're like, All right, shut him down and everything like that. So maybe they're getting they're they're probably trying to save him as much as they can for, you know, finishing the yeah. season here against Oregon State. I forget who Washington plays next week. Um, and then obviously Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, so they're probably saving him a little bit for that, just being super cautious there. But still, like, like you said, it would make a lot of sense for one week that injury doesn't flare up, and then boom, he's back to doing what he did to start the season. And if you held on to him this whole time, you're going to be happy that week. We'll see. All right, yeah, did, go ahead.
1: Think he declares after the season?
0: No, I don't think so at all. I think Polk and I think Polk and Adunze go, and McMillan stays.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm in agreement.
0: So, all righty, let's go with some start sits. Everybody's favorite part of the show. Got some fun ones for you guys this week. So we'll go ahead and head on over to that page. Go ahead and give us our first question. Put our little icons on the screen there. There we go. All right, first question here. This one comes to us from Mr. Brandon Champion, longtime friend of the show here. He is asking us to start one quarterback Between three different options here. We got Preston Stone going up against Memphis this week. Or we can go Will Howard going up against Kansas. Or we can go Chandler Rogers. Quarterback out of North Texas. Going up against Tulsa this week. So. I think I'm going to go ahead and knock out Preston Stone here. Because of the reasons we talked about earlier. We have seen him be absolutely dynamite the last four weeks. Before last week. Again, 28.3, 29.5. He's, like a, he's basically a guaranteed 28-33 to fantasy points. 4 out of the last 5 games. Then, he gets knocked out with a concussion to end the Rice game. Comes back against North Texas last week. A very good mashup for him. Only passes the ball 20 times. Clearly, clearly, they were not fully ready to trust him yet. And, while I have no doubt that another week away from that concussion and everything like that... He's probably going to be even better this week. When you have two good other options here, Will Howard and Chandler Rogers with solid matchups there. As we've mentioned before, this is the theme of tonight's show. Now is not the time to take risks. Yes, Preston Stone's probably a guaranteed 30 points if he is healthy. But Will Howard and Chandler Rogers can also get you there with their matchups and with what they've done in the past. Just don't worry about it. I'll sit Preston Stone there. And then... A little bit more difficult for me to choose between Will Howard and uh, Chandler Rogers, but I think I'm going to go with... um, I will... Yeah, I think I'm still going to go with Chandler Rogers. Mostly, again, it's hard because Howard does have the dual threat ability there, but Rogers, I know, also has that dual threat ability. They just haven't been using it a ton this year. I'm still waiting for them to truly unlock it at different points, but... The team total for Tol- or for North Texas is almost, let's see, if I remember correctly, yeah, it's almost a full touchdown higher than Kansas State. Again, that's supposed to be a little bit lower scoring game. Tulsa's passing defense is just absolutely horrendous. So even if Rodgers doesn't run the ball a ton, he's probably going to put up 400 yards to the air in this game. I think I'm going to rely on that. Take the safe option there. Oops. I don't know why I put my start token up there. That was weird. Completely missed. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Rogers there, and roll with that. Justin, your thoughts, man. This one's gonna be pretty quick uh, for me.
1: Chandler Rogers, uh, for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, <clears throat> he's had a, you know a, a tough couple of weeks. The last two weeks, played UTSA and played SMU last week. And as we mentioned, SMU's defense is actually pretty good. Yep. This matchup though is really, really you know forgiving and the upside of three to five touchdowns feels on the table. Uh, it feels quite on the table, actually. Yep. Uh, you mentioned it, you know, soft pass defense, but he's a dual threat guy. I mean, he can, you know, like it's likely that he scores once on the ground and he'll probably score a couple times, uh, passing also in this game. So I love him in this matchup and you don't have some pesky, you know, backup gadget guy who might steal his rushing touchdowns if they're near the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might with Will Howard. Will Howard's a good play also. Um, and yeah, obviously with Preston Stone, as I mentioned earlier, the injury concern uh, just immediately, I, I discarded him from consideration. So yeah, between Howard and, and Rodgers, I just feel like Rodgers is safer and the upside basically matches it. Might even make an argument that's better than Will Howard. So yeah, I love Rodgers this week.
0: All righty. We are in agreement. We'll go ahead and move on to the next question then. Excuse me. Uh, what does the model say, Jared? Oh, thank you, Justin. I am so glad that you asked. The models in agreement with us. It loves Chandler Rogers this week. It's got him at thirty-four point five five fantasy points this week. And that again, that's reserved for like the elite of the elite options on the week. I think he's, if I remember correctly, like the QB three in the model this week. And then it has Preston Stone at 26.08. That makes a lot of sense right there. It actually doesn't really like Will Howard versus Kansas this week. I think it's still punishing him a little bit for that weird period where, you know, he wasn't, you know, putting up a ton of production and they were running Avery Johnson a ton there. But at the same time, like, again, he's had 28 fantasy points against Texas, 29 versus Baylor last week. No reason, in my opinion, you couldn't expect him to do it again this week against Kansas. But it is the lowest scoring option of these three matchups right here. So I can kind of see where the model is going with that one. All right. Next question here. This one comes to us from Yanni. And he is asking us to start two quarterbacks between three different options here. Caleb Williams versus UCLA. Or we can go with Byron Brown, the quarterback out of South Florida, going up against UTSA. Or we can go with Jalen Milrow, the quarterback out of Alabama, going up against good old Chattanooga choo-choos. Actually, they're not the Chattanooga choo-choos. They should be, but they're the Chattanooga mocks for some reason. Anyway, enough of my Chattanooga rambling. Justin, you first, man. Which two are you going to start out of these three?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that, that name for Chattanooga fits. I don't know why they didn't go with it. You have a good suggestion there uh for these options you know with milro obviously the upside is really high but you know there's the concern and this was kind of a throwback almost I, I remember like week one week two we, we sort of had these discussions of like when you have good players and they're playing against fcs programs yep. how to navigate this you know we, we find ourselves in a similar predicament here week 12 jalen milro and my answer is sort of the same as it was back then if you have better options probably you're better going with a game you know a game that at least is going to be competitive to where, you know for the full 60 minutes. Uh Milro, I mean, he could leave the game with five touchdowns, five to six, you know, within two or three quarters. He could also leave with, you know, only one touchdown, maybe two. Yep. I don't like that range of outcomes. So I'm gonna really focus on the other two. Uh and really, I think, you know, Caleb Williams outside of those two weeks, those disastrous two weeks in October has been so good this year. Uh, there's a lot of turmoil at UCLA right now that I'm hearing. They might be, you know, kind of walking wounded into this game. And yeah, you know, Caleb doesn't have much left to play for, but the fact that he's still playing, you know, I I think he's going to want to end on a good note here. This will probably be his last game as a Trojan. So I would expect him to have a pretty good game. I I don't know if UCLA is really going to be up for this game too. They might be sort of in a weird place because it sounds like their head coach is on his way out. Uh, Byron Brown, the upside is obvious also. It's really high, but you know, he's kind of, he's more volatile. So if we're choosing between Caleb and Byram, you know, I'd rather, especially on the playoff week, why don't we just go with the guy who, you know, we know he's elite. He's been elite basically all season, say, for those two weeks. Uh, for me, it's kind of a no-brainer, Caleb Williams.
0: Alrighty. I'm going to agree with you on Caleb Williams again. Like you mentioned, UCLA, they've had a very solid defense throughout the entire year. But, again, really outside of... The Notre Dame game and everything. like We've seen Caleb go against solid defenses like Oregon's this past week and still put up 26 fantasy points there. So I think that's exactly what you can expect again here. I think you can, again, you're going to, again, you're not looking for a 36 point game here or anything like that, but you are probably expecting a good 25, 30 point game and that's going to make you happy right there. Byron Brown is interesting. I love Byron Brown. He's a top five quarterback on the year. Makes it very difficult to sit him now, but He is probably the biggest dud potential here of these three guys because he's had some phenomenal weeks. I mean, just the past week against Memphis, 45 fantasy points right there. Again, top five QB on the week. Actually, it might have been QB1 on the week if I remember correctly. But here are the three games around that game. Against Temple last week, 23 fantasy points. Against UConn, 20 fantasy points. Against Florida Atlantic, 17 fantasy points again this Alex Goalish offense is clearly awesome and it can get Byron Brown what we need but it is still a first year offense and as we've seen it can be a little bit difficult to predict when they're going to kind of come up with these dud games here they're going up against UTSA this week we just talked about earlier how Chandler Rogers had a kind of a rough outing against them and he's not the first quarterback to have an out a rough outing against UTSA this year so I think I'm actually going to sit Byron Brown which feels weird but Jalen Milrow, man, he's been on fire the last two weeks. I mean, forty-three fantasy points against Kentucky last week, fifty against LSU the week before. Ten total touchdowns between the last two weeks here. I mean, Jace McClellan and a lot of those other guys. It's gonna be difficult to determine like where, where, like if they can get touchdowns here. Milrow's gonna have four touchdowns. By the time this game ends. I mean, when they get around the goal line, he is the go-to guy. They have so many goal line packages for him at this point. Like, I fully trust that he'll have three touchdowns. You'll be happy with his production by the end of the game. I'm totally cool with it. Especially, again, the Shaduga. Milro could easily break a 70-yard touchdown in this game if he really needed to. So, I'm actually going to roll with him. I think he'll get what you need by halftime. And that's what we'll do. Let me go ahead and throw our icons up real quick, and then immediately put them back because that's how I run my show.
1: Yeah. So, so real quick, uh, I got. I don't know if this was just a typo or not. So I, I noticed that it's actually start two in this question, and I was looking at the sheet just now.
0: Yes, I thought you. Oh. I thought you were going Caleb Williams and Byron Brown. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that makes this question a little more interesting. My first answer was just Caleb. And I was like, okay, "Okay, my
0: bad, my bad.
1: Uh, Yeah, no, no, it's all good. Um, Between the other two. And I know you chose Jalen Milrow. I don't love, like I said, the other two, Uh, you're swinging for upside on both of them. Give me Byron Brown uh, as my second guy. But like I said, I'm not really happy about having to start either of these two guys, but you know, Swinging for upside uh, in the playoffs, uh, you know, why not? I suppose.
0: Isn't it amazing how college fantasy does that to you? Because Byron Brown's QB five on the year, Jalen Milrow is QB thirteen on the year. If you were in NFL fantasy, everybody would look at you sideways in a playoff week yep. for benching quarterbacks that are doing that well. But like here, here we are in college fantasy. It's so it it it's what makes the game fun. All right. Yep. Let's go ahead and talk about some running backs here. This one comes to us from the captain. He's asking us to start one option between Sia Benghira versus Central Michigan or Marcus Carroll versus LSU or Trey Benson versus North Alabama. Three options I don't really love this week. Um, Marcus Carroll going up against an SEC school. Obviously, that's not th- it's not something I really like to see. Yes, LSU's defense has been horrendous this year, but there's still a pretty massive talent gap. Between the Panthers and the Tigers, there, I am not trusting a single Georgia State player this week if I can help it. And if I remember correctly, I have benched them in every league that I can this week. So he's a sit for me. And then Trey Benson has been doing nice the last couple of weeks in terms of actually you know getting touchdowns, which is not something he was able to do. But his volume's still kind of meh. Again, ten uh, or fourteen touches versus Wake Forest. You're talking about 12 touches versus Pitt. Obviously, he broke the long touchdown run in that game, so that was nice to see. Uh, and then this past week against Miami of Ohio, or excuse me, not Miami of Ohio, Miami, Florida, 16 carries, 80 yards, two touchdowns, a solid, solid day on the ground there. But again, that just hasn't what he's been doing pretty much the entire year, and he's got an FCS matchup here against North Alabama. That, as Justin kind of said, especially for running backs and wide receivers, really kind of throws things out the window it's really hard to gauge when are they coming out when like who's going to get the vault vo- who's going to get the opportunities around the goal line is the team going to want to try something new with a player that they haven't really been able to utilize the time i mean rodney rodney hill the true freshman running back is sitting right there i wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little bit of run in this game here so i'm going to sit trey benson as well i'm going to go with see a he's been disappointing so far this year again he's only been averaging i believe like 10 points Per game in standard formats. A little bit more obviously. In half PPR and PPR formats. But two out of the last three weeks. You would have been pretty decently happy. Or really all three of the last weeks. You would have been decently happy with him. Touchdown in each of those games. This past week 17 carries. Or for 19 touches total there. You got 82 yards on the ground. He's going up against Central Michigan. They're 87th versus the rush. So it's not really a bad matchup there. And he's really the only guy out of these three that is not going to get game scripted out if things get hairy and also won't be taken out of the game early. So I think I'm going to ride with Sia Bangura here. And that is that. Justin, throwing it over to you now, man, who are you going to go with? Yeah,
1: well, I'll cut to the chase. I'm also going to start Bangura, but I'm not, and obviously Carol's matchup is not good. And, and, We sort of understand this implicitly. Uh, LSU's run defense is bad. Uh, Obviously, there's still a massive talent disparity there. So when we say LSU's run defense is bad, I mean, we're talking about against other SEC teams against Georgia State, you know, would they be able to sort of rock up against them probably, but you never know Uh, if you're if you're really desperate and you're in a deep league, it's a sneaky play. Uh, the opportunity to look like a genius next week if this, if this pulls off and maybe he breaks a long run in the fourth quarter when the third strings are in. Uh, but yeah, if you have Bangura, you know, uh, at your disposal and yeah, I'm not even going to get into Benson. I don't trust him. I don't like that matchup. So with Bangura, you know, again, not optimal, not an optimal choice, but other than three, uh, as as Jared said, he's not going to get game scripted out. Yes, he splits carries, but he actually still gets a good amount of touches. So, you know, he's not the uncontested volume pick, but he's still kind of a volume pick. If you look at sort of the touches he gets, it, it could be worse. Uh, he's still pretty good. So, you know, it's not not a terrible matchup either. In fact, actually, it's a good matchup. So I've got no problem with sort of uh, slotting Bangor and amongst
0: these three in particular. Sounds good. All right, Captain, hope you Hope you—excuse oh, me, I just hit the wrong button. Give me a second to get back. All right, there we go. Hope you appreciated that answer. Let's go to our next running back question, who comes to us from the faraway tots. Uh He is asking us to start one running back between the three of these options. Gavin Sawchuck going up against BYU, the running back out of Oklahoma. Oh, my goodness. Justin, failing at your job. I know you reminded me the first time, but yeah, we forgot sorry. the bottle. Anyway, uh, real quick— Uh, Last question. Sia Benguera, the model, does not agree with us. Uh, We have, it has Sia Benguera at 18.22. That is the second highest. It has Marcus Carroll at 15.99. Definitely doesn't like that matchup right there. That has a lot to do with how much Georgia State is expected to score in this game. It actually has Trey Benson as the highest at 24.34. Again, it has a lot to do with the fact it's an FCS matchup. The model kind of assumes that Benson would play most of the game there. And I have to disagree with that model. Uh, don't don't assume that. And so I'm still going to ride with my Sia pick, and I imagine Justin will as well. All right, back to Faraway Tots. Again, g- just a reminder, Gavin Sawchuck, running back of Oklahoma, going up against BYU. Or, excuse me, I already messed up the graphic. Let me put it back. There we go. Or Jaquinda Jackson, running back out of Utah, going up against Arizona this week. Or... We can go with CJ Baxter, the running back out of Iowa or the running back out of Texas, going up against Iowa State. Justin, save me, man! I keep stumbling over my words over here. Who are you going with among these three options here? Definitely a lot to discuss with these three.
1: Yeah, no, no, you're all good. We're doing a lot of talking here. So, I mean, of these three. Two of them I would kind of group together as very similar profiles. Uh, those two would be Sawchuck and Baxter. Uh, Baxter, obviously, now is relevant because Brooks is out for the year. You saw he saw 18 carries last week. Only ran for 61 yards, no scores. But, you know, if, if he's RB1 in that program, that system now, uh, obviously, he's a guy you have to consider each week. Uh, And then Sawchuck, similar deal, not due to injury, but he just kind of sprang in this last weekend, uh, had a lot of carries. I don't remember what the number was. 22. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, And he scored, you know, over 20 points, uh, which is great. And they have a good matchup versus BYU. The problem I have, though, with OU is they've had sort of various different running backs come through throughout the season, where initially it looked like it was Walker – uh now maybe saw there's been you know other players sort of pop off in there so it's kind of difficult really to get a read on that program and what the deal is there and and would you want to bank on the one week after you know we saw what saw did and assume that that's going to be the case this week uh given what we've seen this season that'd be hard for me to stomach although it's a great matchup and if saw is the guy again you know you will have a great game probably so yeah you, you have to you have to contend with that uh, and then Jaquinn and Jackson, it's not been the year people were hoping for with him, but he's been banged up. It's not really been his fault. Uh, they don't really have too many people left on offense, really. I mean, quarterback's out, tight ends out, other running backs are out. So it's kind of him and that converted safety, uh, Sioni Vaki, who are kind of the offense. And the match was not that bad. So for me, actually, I think I'm really going to hone in on CJ Baxter and Jaquinn and Jackson uh you know obviously there's upside in the south chuck i just don't like the risk Uh, and then in terms of baxter jackson you know um is this start two or start one start one okay start one yeah so with baxter matchups not uh, iowa state's actually pretty at least statistically speaking they're, they're pretty solid against the run um but texas is one of those teams where they're talented enough they're more way more talented than iowa state where that doesn't scare me that much like i, I assume texas will be able to still run the ball against iowa state uh, and Baxter's pretty fresh and they'll probably want to see what they have with them quinnier is obviously coming back after extended injury he played last week don't know if he's 100 so keep that in mind in terms of what their game plan might be to quinn and jackson just i don't know it's 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 up it's up and down i mean he's getting decent touches and he's kind of the last man standing there i wouldn't be upset about starting him but i'm actually going to take a a chance well I don't want to say it's a chance I think we know Baxter's a starter there now so uh while yes his sample size is also sort of a sample of one it's a little more predictable with Texas because we kind of know once they have their guy they roll with him whereas Oklahoma it's like yeah Sawchuck's a sample of one but they've been doing this all all year so I don't, I'm not comfortable sort of rolling with him
0: yeah I'm fully with you on Sawchuck and the Oklahoma situation that backfield has been the biggest headache in college fantasy, really, this entire year. Because it feels like they're not not—they're not even doing, like, a, oh, full committee, everybody's getting 10 touches kind of deal. It's literally that any of those running backs could get 20 touches in a week. It just kind of feels like it's on the whim of the coaching staff. Now, granted, part of it has been that Walker got banged up a little bit here. Sawchuck got healthy, performed well against Oklahoma State, rushing over 100 yards on 13 touches. So, clearly, that made the coaching staff... Trust him a little bit more. So I do think there is very much a path to Sawchuck getting that many carries again this week. Especially if Tommy Walker still is banged up going into this next week. So something to certainly keep an eye on there. But I'm still going to go with the... I'm still going to go with probably the safest pick out of this bunch. Which is kind of weird to say given the fact that he has theoretically the lowest floor when it comes to his touch total. But I think I'm going to go with Jaquindon Jackson here versus Arizona. As you mentioned, a pretty good matchup there with the Wildcats. They have definitely been able to give up some pointage this year. Jackson has had himself some pretty solid games over the last couple of weeks. Again, 94 yards versus Cal 117 versus USC uh, 111 versus Arizona state. Who's been decent against the run this year. So he has his up weeks, but he also has his down weeks like this past week against Oregon or this past week against Washington, only 29 yards there, um, only 37 yards versus Oregon. But those are two weeks where one, the teams just kind of out-talented them on the trenches there. And then two, those were two, two games where they had to abandon the run pretty quickly there. Although I guess Washington, he's still got his touchdown opportunities, which is certainly nice to see there. I don't think that's going to be a problem against Arizona, so I'm still going to rely on him. I think he'll get, him, get himself 100 yards this weekend against Wildcats, get himself a touchdown, very safe right there. Baxter, I want to believe in the talent. I am in full agreement with you that the system calls for Baxter to have himself a pretty nice day, considering he's also been clearly the number two back behind Brooks. Like Blue hasn't really been a factor at all this year, so I'm not really worried about them splitting too much there. My main thing with Baxter is that he's still a freshman at the end of the day. And you can see it in his production profile on a week by week basis. Two point six yards versus Oklahoma. Or two point six yards per carry versus Oklahoma. Follows that up with seven point or seven point zero yards per carry the following week. Very next week after that, two point four. Week after that, nine Week after that, three point four. Very, very up and down in terms of his efficiency. And again, you kind of expect that from a freshman. I just Going up against an Iowa State defense that is pretty solid against the run there. Again, I have no doubt that he has the talent to overcome that. But again, it's playoff week. I'll go with what I know. And that is the Utah Utah RB1 going up against a solid matchup. Give me Jaquinda Jackson. All right. Move back those icons and let's go to some wide receiver questions. Actually, no. No, I will not because I have to do the model. Anyway, far away tots. Here's what the model has to say here. The model dislikes cj baxter the most but it is a player-based model not a system-based model so that kind of makes a lot of sense right there it's fully betting on him to still be the rb2 it'll update itself i imagine after this week so i wouldn't trust the model fully there and then it's very close between saw and Jaquin and jackson it has jackson at 15.76 and Sawchuck at 15.36 so very close between those two again i'd personally of course still go with Jaquinnon Jackson going up against Arizona. But anyway, let's go now to some wide receiver questions. And we'll start with Mr. Andy Amreen, who's asking us to start two wide receivers out of this bunch right here. Devontae Walker, wide receiver out of North Carolina, going up against Clemson this week. Or we can go with Drake Stoops, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma, going up against BYU. Or we can go with Kevin Concepcion, Going up against Virginia Tech, the wide receiver out of NC State. I will go first on this one. And to me, the clear start here is, where did my icon go? Am I crazy? There it is. Anyway, um, clear start here is Drake uh, Stoops. Solid matchup against BYU this upcoming week. Oklahoma's offense has been pretty on fire over the last couple weeks. Stoops has been a huge part of it. 13.5 13.5 targets per game, 11.5 perceptions per game, 200-yard performances, four touchdowns in the last two games. Very clearly, Dylan Gabriel has found his reliable target moving forward for this offense right here. Again, he is pretty much becoming what we thought Jaleel Farouk was going to be for this offense. I talked about him earlier this week on the waiver Wire show. I said he was probably outside of Villari, the tight end quarterback, Wildcat dude over at Syracuse. Soups was probably the most important waiver wire pickup on the week this week, and I actually think that he is one of those guys that you could insert into your starting lineup this week and feel pretty comfortable about, as I show here with me starting him. Concepcion and Walker. I initially was actually going to start Concepcion here, but because I couldn't get out of my head that UNC completely folded against Clemson last year, like it, it was not, it was atrocious. They were on fire the entire year, and then in the AAC or in the ACC championship. UNC got the got blown out of the building. Well, I went back and looked at that game, and I was like, okay, what what did the receiver production look like? And Josh Downs still had ten catches for hundred yards in that game. He didn't score, he didn't find the end zone, which certainly sucked. But you get year two of Drake May here, has himself a plethora of weapons. Clemson's down a little bit more than they were last year. The defense isn't quite as locked down as it was then. I think I'm going to still be okay. With Devontae Walker, and we also got a pretty good look at what does Walker look like against a solid defense. Well, ten targets, seven receptions, 162 yards, no touchdowns last week, but that's still pretty, pretty freaking insane against a Duke, um, against a Duke off or a Duke defense that has been very killer for a lot of, a lot of wide receivers this year. So I'm gonna start Devontae Walker again, and Kevin Concepcion. I like him a lot. His volume has been great because not only is he getting catches, but he's getting tons of jet sweeps and carries on the ground, which is something you absolutely love to see. My problem is that now that Brendan Armstrong's come in at quarterback, his targets took a nosedive last week. Again, going from 14, anywhere from 7 to 14 targets in a week went to 3 last week. Now, maybe that's a fluke. Maybe that changes this week, but it's playoff time. This is a true freshman, just like with C.J. Baxter. These guys are going to have a little bit more volatility to them than some of the other guys. I'm going to go with a future, um, I don't want to say first-rounder, but a a future top-two-day pick in Devontae Walker going up against a solid Clemson defense, but I think he can overcome it, and then Drake Stoops has been absolutely on fire. So I'll sit, sit Kevin Concepcion. Justin, who are you going with here?
1: Yeah. Well, I actually, I mean, I like all three and, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth with conception. You know, I was going to talk about, you know, it should be noted that they've made that quarterback change, right? We, we all know MJ Morris uh, hit the portal a couple weeks ago or a week ago, Brennan, Brennan Armstrong's back. Uh, that's good for me because I have him in one of my leagues, a very deep league uh, where there aren't any other quarterback options. So just the mere fact that he's starting again is a boost to that team, but, Uh, The person who's asking this question doesn't care about that Uh, in terms of the three wide receivers. uh, Yeah. Devontae Walker, you know, he has his best game of the season against Miami uh, back in October, I believe. And they're a pretty good defense. And I'm not really that worried about UNC being able to, you know, push or, or press Clemson's defense in this game. I mean, Clemson, they have a good defense this year, but overall, the team strength isn't sort of, you know, it doesn't align with sort of the name brand value. We all think Clemson and UNC were sort of thinking of a slanted sort of relationship. But really, I mean, UNC might be better this year, and, and it would not surprise me that if they beat Clemson in this game. And as you mentioned, I mean, last last year, their wide receiver one had a pretty good game. I don't put too much stock into that because, again, lots, lots a lot has changed over the course of a year. Devontae Walker is a really good player, and he's been doing really well, and I, I'm really not that afraid of this Clemson matchup for him this week. Uh, I think he's going to have a pretty good game, actually. Drake Stoops has really come on in the last two weeks in particular with like, it's like 14, 15 targets in his back-to-back game, something like that. So, and everybody knows Gabriel had a massive game last week also, and, you know, this is a great matchup for Oklahoma versus BYU. You know, it's just competitive enough to where, you know, you hope that they, you know, take it seriously, but not competitive enough to where you're worried about them being able to score frequently. Mm-hmm. So a nice little recipe there. Uh, I wouldn't be upset about starting any three of these guys, but unfortunately I'm going to have to keep it boring here and agree with Jared. Uh, I'm going to roll with Walker and Stoops, but you know, if I had to start Conception, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, I like that he gets targets and carries. Uh, but Virginia Tech, at least according to the fan tracks, if I remember correctly, uh, has been pretty good against opposing team's wide receivers. I, I believe that's what the, the red coloring on this matchup you know, suggests. So I guess keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like, I always find it funny when like, I go back and forth on us agreeing or not agreeing. Because the people who ask these questions, like, um, like Andy, who's listening to us right now to have his question answered, he probably loves that we agree. He probably loves the fact that, like, he's like, "All right, that makes it simple. I don't have to. I don't have to extend my debate here whatsoever," versus like everybody else is just like, "Oh no, I want debate. I want heated arguments. Let's do this." Anyway, let's go to find my little clicker here. There we go. Other wide receiver question here. This one comes to us from Tim Doverick, asking us to start. One player between two players here. We got Drake Stoops again. We've already kind of set our piece on him. Uh, I typically don't like to include the same players in the same questions, but I think literally every wide receiver question we had asked this week included Drake Stoops. So I think people really wanted to see like how does he compare to some of the other guys out there. Well, here we're comparing him to Ricky White, who's going against Air Force this week. And White's been on fire recently. Again, eight-plus targets in each of his last five games, 10-plus targets in three of them. Two touchdowns in three of his in three each of three of his last five games. I'm gonna never say those words in that order ever again. Hundred and forty plus receiving yards in four out of the last five games. He feels about as safe as you can be, except that Dadgum Air Force defense is six in the country versus the pass. It is a team that slows things down. It is a team that limits scoring opportunities. So he does kind of get limited here to or kind of brought back down to earth a little bit in my opinion compared to a guy like drake soups who has been pretty hot here i have played the game against air force what am i talking about justin this is supposed to be your question to answer first i'm going to throw it over to you i got ahead of myself there my apologies well speaking of getting
1: ahead of ourselves i Did we talk about the model in the last question too,
0: or did did we forget? That freaking gummit. Anyway, model loves Drake soups this week. 30.21 fantasy points is what it has in that A lot of that has to do with how incredible he's been the last couple weeks. And it actually has Concepcion a little bit higher than Walker at 19.1, and then Devon says Walker at 18.66. It it
1: might be weighing, I guess, the Clemson defense a lot there. That's what I'm
0: thinking as well.
1: Yeah, well, okay, and I guess that's good to know. Uh, given this question also has Drake Stoops, uh, I don't know if I agree with the model. I mean, I guess a, you know anything's possible. Thirty-two points—that's a lofty projection. Uh, I think you're happy anytime wide receiver gets over twenty, even eighteen. Um, okay, I really want to go Ricky White here, uh, and the reason is because his dad follows me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but not—that's not the only reason. I mean, he's a good player. Uh, something funny about Ricky White is. He kind of, when he scores, he scores twice. Uh, he does. <laughs> and he didn't score last week. And, um, you know, I'm a super, I'm, I'm not a superstitious man, but I'm looking for reasons to start him. And look, I mean, jokes aside, both of these players are really good. And Jared mentioned it. Ricky White's been really good the last, like, five weeks. Stoops has really come on two weeks in a row. Uh Look, start either of them, but I don't think it's a huge problem. Uh, the, the glaring factor with Ricky White is, yeah, that matchup. Um, but with Air Force, they've been kind of strange. Um, you know, they got decimated by Army a couple weeks ago. Granted, that's you know, Army did that through running the football. But, you know, UNLV you, you know is no joke this year. Ricky mm-hmm. White's their guy on offense and he's got slate-breaking potential. I mean, like I said, when he scores, he scores in doubles. So, when he didn't score last week, and he seems to score every other week. So, he's following the patterns. Uh, I'm getting a little superstitious here now, maybe too much. But, look, uh, I think either way is a good option. I'm going to roll Ricky White. Uh, I think we can kind of infer Jared's rolling Drake's tubes. So, unfortunately, it looks like we're going to be torn on this one. Uh, I think either one's a good option, though.
0: I'm for full disclosure, I'm starting with Ricky White in at least one league that I am in where like I just don't really have much better options at wide receiver. But also I, I don't feel I don't feel bad about it whatsoever. Again, he's just been absolutely insane the last couple of weeks. His worst game came against Colorado State for the last five weeks. That was 74 yards, no touchdowns. He got nine receptions in that game. If you're in a PPR league, that is 16.4 fantasy points. Is it the best? No. But it's more than serviceable. So if if he hits his floor over the last five weeks against Air Force here, I would be shocked if they completely shut him down. I'm fully comfortable riding with Ricky White, but I do like Drake Stoops and the volume he's been getting. I like the amount of production that he has been doing there. BYU's a great matchup there. I feel pretty comfortable rolling with him. Starting a guy against Air Force just feels like the bigger risks to me at this point. But again, both of these guys are great. This is a legit start sit question right here, Tim. Well done. All right. Let us go and discuss our next question here. And real quick, real quick on the model, again, Drake Soup's 30.2 fantasy points there. It has Ricky White at 21.68. So clearly a little bit of ding. From, you know, the, the monster weeks he's had in the last couple of weeks, but also at the same time, like, it's still a pretty solid week right there. Model, model pretty much is right in line with us. All right. Flex questions here. This one comes to us from the college football enthusiast, the college football enthusiast. He's asking us to start one player between Jacob Cowling, who's going up against Utah this week, or we can go with Carson Steele, who is going up against USC this week. Or we can go with one Will Shipley, the running back out of UNC. Let's put aside the injury concerns with Cowling and Shipley for a second. For those of you listening at home, this is what we in the show business called a bit. Let me ask Siri real quick. Hey Siri, what was Bucky Irving's rushing numbers against USC last week? Bucky Irving ran for 118 yards and a touchdown on 19 carries. Hey Siri, what was Dylan Johnson's rushing numbers versus USC's defense the week before? Dylan Johnson ran for 256 yards and four touchdowns on 26 carries. Hey Siri, what about the week before that? Uh, What did uh, Jaden Ott do against USC's rushing defense? Jaden Ott ran for hundred and fifty-three yards and three touchdowns on twenty-one carries. Wow, that's crazy! What about the week before that? Uh, what did JaQuindon Jackson do against USC's uh, rushing defense? JaQuindon Jackson ran for hundred and seventeen yards on twenty-six carries. Man, that's crazy! That's just wow! Like they're just really getting up that much. What about the week before that? What about Audric Estime? Audric Estime ran for ninety-five yards and two touchdowns on twenty-two carries. Man, wow, just going to keep it going then. What about Jonah Coleman the week before that? Jonah Coleman ran for 143 yards on 22 carries. Whoa, wow, what about the week before that? That's Colorado, man. That's like, they, they can't run the ball to save their lives. Like, what did they put up? Anthony Hankerson for Colorado ran for 74 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries against USC's rushing defense. His season high... Guys... I didn't skip a game there. I did not skip a game. They've just been giving up points to the RB1 for every team they face. Yes, UCLA might be might be looking at a little bit of struggle this week in terms of you know whatever's going on with their head coach and everything. It's still USC's defense. Carson Steele is a legitimate running back. Yes, his volume hasn't been great the last couple of weeks, but that has a lot to do with the fact that U UCLA has not been able to really get any kind of rhythm going on offense there again against Arizona State and Arizona. USC he doesn't even need that many carries to really get them get him super far there. I'm gonna go with him. I already mentioned Will Shipley, Jake Cowling, both expected to play, but both coming off injuries over the last couple of weeks here. I don't care playing the matchup. I don't care what the model says. Steele is my guy. Justin. Now, with that long-winded bit out of the way, uh, who are you going to go with?
1: Well, I, I appreciate, yeah, the, uh, the the context on the data there. I mean, I, I knew ahead of time USC's run defense was pretty bad, uh, but it's good to sort of see the pattern confirm that. Um, yeah, I mean, all three options are not phenomenal options. I guess this person knows that. That's why they're contemplating which one to start. Um, yeah, Shipley came back last week. He made he probably not one hundred percent, but he had a, he actually had a good game. Although his touches weren't crazy, actually, I think he had like fifteen or sixteen touches in terms of fourteen. Okay, yeah, so between carries, receptions, fourteen touches, not phenomenal. It's not terrible either, and he had like sixteen points or something if you're in a PPR league. So that's not that bad. Um, Jacob Cowing has not been good lately, so I I, I, would, I don't know. I just wouldn't want to trust him really under uh, most circumstances right now. So he's an easy sit for me between the two running backs. You know the thing with Steel, I mean, how how can I not choose Steel after that? <laughs> after that <laughs> so my hand is forced. The the thing is though, outside of the coaching uh, strangeness happening behind the scenes, is you know they split carries. We know this. T.J. Harden's involved, um, but you know maybe this is the week where like we've seen Steele occasionally. He gets a huge workload. It just kind of happens randomly. So that's why it's sort of difficult to ever start them because you're sort of wondering what is this the week you know you feel like maybe this is the week where the coaching staff has probably circled it and said well week run defense maybe we want to go through steel uh, and it might not all be through steel I mean maybe TJ Harden gets a lot of carries too but steel also gets a lot of carries like it might just be overall the team runs a lot uh, so yeah I don't like the Shipley probably isn't 100 percent we, we know Mafa is hanging around too. So it's kind of a similar line of concern for both of these players now. Whereas, you know, before there wasn't really for Shipley. So that that's kind of a new problem for him. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with you and, and, and Siri, I guess, and go with Carson Steele this week. Uh, the matchup probably just too good to turn down. Splits carries, but hey, I mean, it, it is what it is. Of these three options, I think he's the best.
0: Yeah, we're never bringing back that bit ever again because my Siri voice is absolutely terrible. Um, in terms of what the model says here, it actually likes Will Shipley the best, but again, it doesn't love any of these options. It has Will Shipley at 14.19 fantasy points. Again, that's heavily weighted by the fact that he got banged up versus Miami and NC State there before sitting a week, so I'm not going to read too much into that. I think he'll still probably have a solid day. Uh, Jacob Cowing, it has at, what did I put it, 1269 that has a lot to do with the fact that he hasn't really done much over the last couple of weeks. Now yeah, he he hasn't hit Holy crap, over the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Over the last eight weeks, he has not hit a hundred yards. So Cowling's definitely a big risk there. And then it has Carson Steele at twelve point eight five. That has a lot to do with the fact that he hasn't scored a touchdown in the last two weeks. His carry numbers haven't been great because of him being game scripted out. And the offense is not really running very well there. But again, if your offense needs a cure, USC's defense sure will help that out. So I'm expecting him to way outperform this 12.85 projection the model is giving out here. And I'm fully running with steel this week. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to our next question here. Put back our little icons. And Justin, this one comes to us from Jodoc. Start one out of these three, and in my opinion, very solid options here. We got Brian Thomas, the wide receiver out of LSU, going up against Georgia State. Or we got Makai Hughes, the running back out of Tulane, going up against Florida International. Or we can go with Jermaine Brown, the running back wide receiver hybrid, coming out of UAB, going up against Temple this week. Throwing it over to you first, sir, which guy are you going to go with?
1: Yeah, great options. My first thing would say, uh, please assess who you're starting. Uh, Try to see if you can't get Jermaine Brown Jr. in that wide receiver somewhere. Fair point. Uh, He has that eligibility in your league. You know, he kind of had a dud last week, but he's been really good. And anytime you can get a player who has the 20 25 touch a week average in that wide receiver slot, you know, it's just, it's, it's another level in terms of CFF uh, greatness, if you will. So uh, I, I would first sort of assess that, but if your wide receiver room is really jam-packed and you can't fit them in, look, all three options are f- fantastic. You know, uh, I think the one thing with Brian Thomas is, you know, when does he get the curtain call? Could happen really quickly. Uh, but LSU doesn't have much to play for now, except for really Heisman for their Jaden Daniels, for Award for their wide receivers. Yep. So maybe the guys in and they stat, you know, they pad the stats, they could use a little bit of a boost in recruiting right now. They're losing some guys. so. Um, and Makai Hughes, I love Makai Hughes. Uh, he's the bell cow there now. He's been solid, really good, basically, since he took over as RB1. Really not much to complain about. FIU is a good matchup. So I'm not really worried about him this week. Uh, We are choosing one or two in this. Choosing one,
0: fun. unfortunately.
1: Jeez, this one's tough. You know, again, I'd really, I'd really take a hard look and, and try to see: is there not somewhere else where we can fit two of the three in? Because uh, I, I like Hughes and Brown quite a bit. Uh, Thomas, just for the reason that there might be a curtain call early, is probably the one thing I'd say about him. Uh, the, between the two running backs, fantastic matchups. Uh, the touch-up side, you're looking at probably 20, 20 touches or more uh you guys know me as vlogging pigs my whole thing is players that get the touches those are the guys usually who are scoring the points you just sort of want to if you know stuff your team with the guys who touch the ball the most and good things happen so for me it's very difficult to choose between these two i think i might roll makai hughes that that's a coin flip um there's not a reason. <laughs> I was just trying to think, like, what's is there a reason that there isn't really? It's just kind of a coin flip between the two. I, I'm not really sure. I can really sort of take something and grab onto it and say one over the other. That that's really tangible. So, uh, hopefully, that's you know a satisfying answer. Uh, both those options are fantastic. So,
0: like you said, Justin, there's really no way I think you can go wrong here. Like, yes, Brian Thomas has the least number of touches. Out of any of these guys that comes with the nature of being at the wider receiver position he's also not a dude that you know is get peppered with targets constantly throughout the game again he's had one double digit target game in each of the last six games for l s u now he's had some phenomenal weeks because he is their absolute deep threat option here's the wonderful thing Georgia State's secondary is one of the worst in the power five so you absolutely know that l s u is going to take a pop a pot shot here hit with him down the field, see what they can do with him. They're going to play around with their food here. I think he'll have a phenomenal week. But, but when you have two other incredible running backs here that clearly get the work every single week, I think I'm still going to sit Brian Thomas, which again, I, I Joe doc, I need to see what the rest of your team's looking like here, man. You must have an absolute juggernaut. If you're sitting guys like Brian Thomas this week, um, you didn't tell me, Joe Doc, if this was PPR or non-PPR. If it's PPR, I'm a little bit more willing to go with Jermaine Brown. But assuming this is non-PPR, how do you not go with Makai Hughes, who has scored or who's gotten 100-plus rushing yards in each of his last six games? That's that's production that you can't replace. That's a floor you can't replace. Yes, he's had two games over the last six that where he didn't score a touchdown. That sucks. Trust me. It's never a great feeling when you put out a guy like that who's a volume pick who doesn't find the end zone somehow in all that mess. Doesn't matter. FIU's an incredible matchup. Tulane's going to score enough to where Mekhiu's going to find the end zone at least once this week. Add in 100 yards on top of that. He is probably about the safest play that you can go. Again, going back to the theme of the night, safety. Safety, safety, safety. Yes. Going for, like you can like, you can have different guys like a Brian Thomas payoff super super high this week but when you have the option to just go ahead and bank you know 15 to 25 points with your running back I mean like I ain't gonna stop you I ain't gonna stop you so I'm gonna go ahead and start Makai Hughes I'll agree with you there again PPR I'm a little bit more okay with Jermaine Brown there just because of the amount of receptions that he's getting this year that's kind of a knock on him coming into the years like oh why does he even have wide receiver eligibility because he's not even like lining up a receiver? Well, he's catching enough balls this year to where he probably could line up a receiver if they really wanted him to. So let me put the icons back here. And I believe no, yes, we are down to our final question here. Our tight end oh. question of the night coming to us, coming to us from Benjamin Jacob. I actually really like this tight end question for once because it's not, you know, two hot names and everything like that. It's just three guys. Who do we decide between? He's asking us between Joshua Simon, the tight end out of South Carolina, going up against Kentucky, or Mason Fairchild, the tight end out of Kansas, going up against Kansas State, or Cole Taylor, the tight end out of West Virginia, going up against Cincinnati here. All three of these guys are coin flips. All three of these guys are pot shots. There's no guarantee whatsoever with any three of these guys here. I think we're going to lean towards Cole Taylor. He's had two six-target games in the last three weeks. Granted, one of those games he only caught the ball once after getting targeted six times, but at the same time, there was a 43-yard like catch. So like he's got some explosiveness to him, obviously, there. But he's the guy I'm, I'm willing to take a shot on. He's scored two touchdowns over the last three weeks. Again, Joshua Simon's the only one out of these two uh, out of these three who's also scored a touchdown. So I'm gonna roll with Cole Taylor and according to according to fan tracks, again i don't know how much i trust this and everything cincinnati is the worst of these three against tight ends cincinnati's 100th versus tight ends meanwhile kansas state is 53rd kentucky's 42nd all those things kind of lead me to go ahead and start cole taylor i'm feeling pretty decent about that justice or john justice justin justin Just in time here um which guy are you okay. gonna go with
1: need look alike so it's easy to confuse uh, the two of us uh, i, I raised, raised my hand earlier just to try to interrupt
0: you we forgot oh, to, my apologies to, i did not see your
1: hand no, it's all good just saying we forgot to talk about the model of the last one so
0: i'm gonna spit uh, on my water
1: <laughs> yeah no i mean i guess we can re- revisit it after this
0: uh gosh tight ends <laughs> god Ooh, man those yeah. tight ends
1: I don't know. I mean, at some time, at some point, it kind of just feels uh, like I'm just sort of I don't know overanalyzing something that is just like completely random in terms of the tight end position. Uh, It's one of those things where you know it's very hard to predict who's going to score the touchdown each week, and that's usually the differentiator. So you kind of want to latch on to like, okay, well, who gets the volume more so? Joshua Simon actually has sort of seen an uptick in this volume lately. Six targets, 11 targets in the last two weeks. Hasn't really materialized into uh, production. But, you know, if we're we're grasping for something here and, you know, there's not really much else to to utilize, uh, that's kind of the thing I default to. And, you know, Josh Simon isn't even, he's one of the tight ends there, I I wouldn't say, because they have another guy who's also uh, sort of involved. Um, but no, you're right, Jared. I, I think I am going to go uh, with Simon. This week, based purely off of the fact that, at least what I'm looking at, at the show sheet here with the stats for the last three weeks, I see six targets. I see 11 targets. Uh, he had six catches the seven catches, respectively, in those two weeks. That's pretty good. Yeah, good call. Show me a tight end who's, giving, who's getting six or seven catches that week uh, in the landscape right now. Yeah, he can start for me any any week pretty much so that's what I'm going to roll with
0: I'll also throw this out here one last little note here for you Benjamin um, Simon is currently tight end 64 on the year uh, Mason Fairchild is currently tight end 40 on the year and Cole Taylor is currently tight end 22 on the year so I don't know if that sways you whatsoever there and everything but that's just one thing I, d- I wanted to look up real quick um, in terms of what the model has to say here it is uh not particularly kind to any of these guys. It has Cole Taylor at thirteen fantasy points there. It has Mason Fairchild at fourteen point eight two, and it has Joshua Simon at ten point nine three. Model ain't gonna help you out much there either, if I'm being real. It it, 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 it even picks Fairchild, the one neither me, just me or Justin like this week. So it's just completely maddeningly unhelpful there. So Alrighty, we'll go ahead and put our icons back for the last time, and with that, we will end our show real quick before we get out of here. Justin, what do you have in the works, good sir, that we have here to finish the season? What can people start to look forward to after the season, or the regular season has ended? Do you do anything for bowl games or anything like that? What are you looking at?
1: Um, I might. I, I sort of just take it week by week and sort of see if there's an idea there. Uh, obviously the fantasy period sort of ends though after the playoffs. I know some people do like bowl league bash kind of things like a bowl competition, you know, uh, drafting players that are in bowl games. So I could do something like that. Uh, some, some content around that. Uh, but for now, really just plugging away with playoff content. I alluded to it earlier. So I do QB rankings uh, with analysis, quarterback rankings with analysis each week. Can't do wide receiver. That, that's just too many. Too many. That's too many. I want to do the list at least semi properly. Uh, so, it, it, you know, they would be actually helpful for the for the reader. So, yeah, I do those every week. Uh, those are for paid subs only. I do have other stuff for free subs also. Uh, you guys know me by now. I'm at VolumePigs. I'm on Twitter. You know, you guys all know me, I think, by now. So uh, you can see me on campus at Canton as well. Uh, and as always, I'm here with Jared. Each week, answering your guys' questions.
0: Yeah, again, absolutely go check out the rest of Justin's stuff. He is absolutely phenomenal in everything that he does, both with the articles he puts on volumepicks.com and at campusacanton.com. Again, we are finishing the season here. Again, we have one more show with the waiver wires. We'll help you guys out next week. One last time, we sit and start for your championship week. I think... Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting over ambitious, but considering, you know, the amount of people that make championship weeks, we might be able to do something special. Um, Again, don't hold me to this, nobody. But like if there's a limited number of questions, I might try to make it to where we can answer every question next week for sit and starts Uh, because, you know, make it to the championship. You guys have done well enough to do so. So we'll see that again. If if I get 40 questions next week, then obviously we got to we got to make we got to make a call there at that point. But even still, really appreciate you guys listening. Again, we got a lot of great stuff at CampusAgain.com. Again, Again, we're getting ready for the offseason. I know the DFS team is absolutely gearing up for bowl games and the amount of exciting content we got going on there. CTN, after the regular season, will be taking a short break during the month of December. Again, one, I need a little recharge. need to spend time with my family and everything like that. But also need to get prepared for some really exciting stuff during the off season. Of course, we usually kick the season off with our first mock draft of the year, and again, little teaser for you guys. Got some real, got a really, really exciting announcement that we're gonna make here relatively soon regarding some off season content that I think some of you out there are really, really going to enjoy. So be on the lookout for that over the next month or so. But even so. With all that, thank you guys for listening. If you have not already, leave a like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're on the podcast, make sure you follow the show and leave a five-star review wherever you can. Make sure you guys check out the rest of the Campus of Canton podcast network for shows, ranging on pretty much anything you can think of related to the college fantasy game. We'll see you guys back here on Monday for our last round of waiver wire pickups for the season. And if you're listening, more than likely that means you're playing for a championship. So good on all of you guys. Until then, really appreciate you guys, and I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. See y'all, and good luck.